In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. My friends and colleagues at a previous church used to joke with me as they observed that I often managed to be away a particular Sunday in late summer. They thought I was trying to avoid a hymn, a hymn that was often sung that one Sunday. It's the hymn, I Am the Bread of Life. A lot of you probably know that hymn. It's one of those that comes out of the the Roman Catholic tradition, and the the words to the, the music don't quite fit until you get to the refrain. And then sort of everybody, even if they don't usually sing, they sort of thunder forth and, I will raise them up, I'll raise them up, I'll raise them up on the last day. I love the hymn. I've always liked the hymn. I know most of its words. What I didn't like, what bothered me and always made me laugh before it bothered me, um, was that we would sing it in this church with this huge pipe organ. And so it was dreadfully done. It was, it was sort of played as though it were a dirge and this concert piece. And um, that's a hymn that needs a piano or a guitar or something. It's a, it's a happy, joyful hymn. Um, often I'll check in with Ben Hutchins before a, a particular Sunday's music. And if we're singing a hymn that is a spiritual or a little more folksy, I'll check with him and I'll say, now this is on piano, right? And he, of course, always says, yes, absolutely. Not there. It was very formal, very majestic. I am the bread of life. Um, There was a lot at stake for me with that hymn because that hymn tells the core of our story. It's the essence of our faith. And so it shouldn't be silly or awkward or or strange. Um, It should issue forth joyfully like great fun because it is good news. That hymn, among others, helps us as Christians express one of the central tenets of our faith, that God raised up Jesus, and God will raise us up as well. The resurrection is the beginning and the end of our faith. It's the core of what it means to be Christian. In the history of our church, belief in the resurrection has often been used as a sort of test for entrance to holy baptism, or certainly a test for ordination, to holy orders. Um, sometimes it's used as a litmus test for orthodoxy. While it's important, that sort of thing misses the point, I think. In today's gospel, Jesus makes it clear that the point of the resurrection is not to test our religious orthodoxy. The point to his rising is to raise up others. That's what resurrection is about, to raise up you and me so that we all of us might be risen, strong and tall and join one another in this life and in the next. Throughout the gospel stories, there's a strange little Greek word that's translated as raise up. It occurs again and again in a variety of contexts. There's a man who's healed of a withered hand He is raised up. The daughter of Jairus that we talked about a few weeks ago, she is raised up. The prodigal son is raised up physically and emotionally and spiritually and psychologically. 
Jesus uses that same word when he's talking with his disciples about this mysterious figure, the Son of Man, the Son of Man who Jesus is. When Jesus says the Son of Man will be delivered over to people, he will be mocked and spitefully treated and spit upon. They will put him to death, but on the third day he will rise again. In this life, Jesus raises us up, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually. He raises up the sick and the wounded. He raises up those who have been brought down by others. The Blessed Virgin Mary sings about this in her song, proclaiming what God has already done for her and for others, even as she prays that God will keep doing it and do it in new ways. He has lifted up the lowly, she proclaims. And God lifts up still and empowers us to be God's hands and feet in the world. Christ lifts us up in this life, but he lifts us up into the next as well. The church teaches that through his death on the cross, through his descent into hell, Jesus has gone through the very worst of what evil and death can ever do to us. No matter how lonely, no matter how painful, no matter how horrible, Jesus has been there and made it through. Jesus has overcome it. With his resurrection, we are given power through God also to make it through anything, anything that is death or that feels like death. With the power of Christ, we too can rise in this life and beyond. Just as the wheat rises into what becomes bread, the bread then in us, the bread that is holy through Holy Communion, rises as we become like Christ in God. Each time we celebrate the Holy Eucharist, we are nourished by Christ. We're fed by his body and blood. We're made stronger and ever more faithful. At the beginning of the great prayer of thanksgiving, we enter this dialogue between the celebrant and the rest of us. Lift up your hearts, the celebrant sings or proclaims, and we all thunder forth. We lift them up unto the Lord. This is a statement of faith, really. Every bit as much as any creed we might say or sing. It's a statement of faith that even in our prayers in this life, we are being lifted up into the presence of God. We're united with Christ through his body and blood. We're lifted into the presence of the angels, the archangels, all the great company of heaven. There's an Eastern Orthodox theologian and catechist, a teacher of the 7th century, rather, called Maximus the Confessor. I love that name, Maximus the Confessor. He sounds serious just when you say his name. But Maximus had an amazing belief that has seeped into especially the Eastern Orthodox part of the church. The Western church is a little slow to catch on, but we're trying. Maximus understood that underlying all that can be taught or thought about God It is God's intention to raise up all things and bring them to a new and extraordinary place in the presence and the heart of God. All things, all people, all animals, all that lives and breathes, all plants, 
all the environment, everything raised up into some new life at the end of all endings. Maximus says this is what St. Paul teaches mystically when he says that in the ages to come, God might display the overflowing richness of his grace. According to Maximus, God is working to bring all things together and to raise us up together. In our Old Testament lesson, that first reading we had from Holy Scriptures, we heard about the prophet Elijah. Elijah's a wonderful character. But in this reading, he's at the point of giving up. He's had it with God. He's had it with his mission from God. He's been doing his best, and none of it is working, and none of it is paying off. Because of his prophecies, he's come to the attention of Jezebel, the king's wife. And so she's put a price on his head. No place is safe. People aren't listening to him. And so Elijah begins to feel sorry for himself. He he crawls up under a tree and goes to sleep and prays that God would take his life. But an angel wakes him up. Who knows if this angel is like we see in art or stained glass or mosaics, an angel with wings that comes out of heaven. Or or maybe it's an angel that is simply a woman from down the street who brings him something to eat. Or maybe the angel comes in the form of a little child who goes by and shows him where there's some good food. Something stirs Elijah. Something rouses him that is of God. And so it's this angel, this messenger of God who says to Elijah in some way or another, get up, get up, stop feeling sorry for yourself, eat, take of the things of God, God will provide this day and tomorrow. Elijah is then raised up by God, or or rather God's messenger. That's often the way it happens in life, isn't it? We're, we're raised up, nudged up by one another. Whenever we feel the prayers of other people, whenever uh, we feel like they're giving us some sort of boost, when somebody offers us a hand or a kind word, or we think nobody's noticed that we're down and they help us to be raised up a bit, God's work of raising and lifting up can surprise us sometimes, even when we're praying for it and think we're looking for it. Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, has a wonderful story where just this sort of thing happened to him. He and his wife were visiting the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and they were in a place called Goma. They were at a refugee camp where there were some 25,000 people sheltered in makeshift tents on volcanic rock. They had very, very little food and perhaps more coming, but no one was sure. Welby had spent about 30 minutes in a hot tent with disabled children, all of whom had been abandoned. Most were dying. They lay there in a filthy mattresses while doctors scrambled to try to do what they could. There weren't enough doctors. There wasn't enough medicine. There wasn't enough time. And then Welby talked with an older woman who he suspected was probably dying. And she was blind, she was hungry, she'd been abandoned by her whole family. And then the bishop of the area came over while Welby was talking to this woman and pointed out that people had begun to crowd around. People knew that this was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And so the bishop whispers in Welby's ear, 
say something to encourage them. Imagine being in that position. And so Welby remembers that occasion and he says, I did what I'm afraid I tend to do when I can't think of anything to say. I talk for a while until I've got some ideas. And so I started off by saying, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I was going on to say something about bringing practical help or something. But the crowd started clapping. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the crowd started clapping and cheering. The Archbishop goes on to reflect. The gospel is good news to the poor in and of itself. Yes, the gospel changes society. Yes, it transforms our existence. Yes, it does all that. But it is in and of itself, by itself, an end in itself, not a means to an end. It is good news for the poor. Good news for the poor who don't have enough food. Good news for the poor who aren't sure what tomorrow will bring. Good news for the poor who feel like God has gone somewhere else. Good news for all of us poor. The gospel lifts us up. Our bearing witness to the gospel helps in lifting up others. Maybe it's through conversation. Maybe it's through prayer. Maybe it's through political action or charity. Maybe it's with a stranger or a family member or a friend or a fellow parishioner or a stranger. The opportunities abound for us to participate in God's work of raising up all of creation and gathering us all to God's self once again. And as hard as we might work at it day in and day out, the Archbishop's story reminds us that finally it's not us. It's not our work or our effort. It's the liberating power of Christ that saves us all. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Let us give thanks to God that we have been raised up that we are being raised up, and that on the last day we will be raised up into the fullness of God's love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.